Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. The building. And an interception, and you're not down by 10 anymore. Andre Howe, his second interception of the to get you the information that you need is to start your own business and do your own thing. And I felt like it gave me a good perspective. I was not the first person to go through what I went through. Welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Pope, a.k.a. The Pod Disciple. I'm Andre Howe. Man, we excited, Dre. We got another opportunity to... Uh, dive into a great story of a, I mean, an amazing guest. He's my brother. Um, I've been knowing him for over 10 years now, um, but he was a first team all day, 2005 for baseball, Dade's, uh Community College All-American, first team All-State, first team All-Conference, two-time conference champion, uh, first team All-MEAC, preseason MEAC player of the year in 2009, two-time conference championship champion and owner of the Turn of Fitness Training. With no further ado, we want to welcome to the podcast my brother, C.J. Loriello. What's up, brother? What's going on, guys? How's everybody doing? Great, great. Man, all is well. So, C.J., man, um, I've been knowing you for some time. I understand, and I've seen you kind of build this track and this journey of of what you've been able to do today, man. But I want to be able to share your story with our guests, uh, those that tune in and watch us, man. We like to highlight the stories of individuals who, you know, who got it, out, got it out the mud, you know, got it out the hard way, not necessarily the easy way. Um, you know so it. We, we, we just go beyond the hype, right? A lot of people may see all what you've accomplished today and just thought it was all easy. You know what I mean? So nah. we want to be able to talk, talk a little bit about Not a lot that, of trials right? and tribulations, man, but it's all, it's all part of the beautiful process, man. Absolutely. So, man, we, we like to start just from the beginning. Um, so yeah, let's do it. A little bit about where you're from, what it was like growing up there. All right, I'm from Miami, Florida. Um, grew up down in, in the Kendall area. I went to Corey Senior High School for my first couple of years, and then I transferred and graduated from Miami South Ridge. Um, down South, how we were brought up, you know, education was always big, but sports, I mean, in my opinion, took, took a driver's seat, you know, in a, in a lot of our situations. You know, when we were coming up, you know, that was our outlet on the way out. You know, you practice, you play hard, you're going to get that scholarship, you know, and to us, you know, that scholarship is, you know, chasing that bag, you know, like like these kids would say nowadays. Mm-hmm. But um, that was free money. You know, our parents wouldn't have to pay for school. So that was, you know, our ultimate goal. So it was literally a 24-7 lifestyle. I mean, working out, practicing. We, we lived in the parks, man, till we hit that you know, ultimate goal, and we got to where we wanted to get to. When did you first start playing sports? Which sport? Oh, what- man. So I started um, – my my cousin is actually the head coach for Team Puerto Rico in the World Baseball Classic. So baseball's been in my family. He's been in Major League Baseball for over 40 years now. So it was – I mean, I was born with a bat and ball in my hand without even, even trying, you know. But – um. First time playing organized baseball, I was four years old, and I played all the way up to, you know, my senior year in college when, you know, unfortunately, I had an injury that, you know, put me in the path I'm on today. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, now, now you mentioned a little bit about just the, the schools that you went to. Talk about um, your, your, your opportunities in high school 
and um, you know, the success that you had, individual success as well as your team oh, success. Man. I mean, I, I still see it stay until today, man. The era of baseball I grew up in, um, down in Miami was just from the minute I entered high school from two thousand five, I mean two thousand to two thousand five when I graduated, you know, um the amount of talent that was in there was I mean, phenomenal. I was um, fortunate to grow up. Guys, I took my big brother, Robert Andino, when I was a freshman coming into high school, he was a senior. You know, we were from the same neighborhood. Uh, we would practice, work out. He took me under his wing. And to see him, you know, fulfill his dream of actually getting drafted in the first round out of high school was, you know, a big eye-opener for me. And to see a kid from, you know, literally come up from nothing, have you know, everything throwing, you know, everything throwing his way because of his success, you know, to witness all of that at 14 years old was like, why not me too? You know, like he he was able to open that door. He gave a lot of us young boys that came behind him a lot of confidence to go out there and, you know, follow his footsteps, you know, and fortunately he played, you know, while in the big leagues and he set that bar for us, you know, to keep striving, keep working hard and, you know, putting on for our city, you know, like everybody would say. Okay. Talk about the history of baseball at Southridge and oh, some man. of the came from or came from there. Southridge, man, when um when I was growing up, that was I mean, Pope would tell you, there there's certain schools in Miami when it comes to baseball and football. You know, football Miami Northwestern when when my brother went to it was just out of control. You know, they were in the north. I was in the South. South Ridge had some good football, you know, teams coming out as well. But um, I would say the programs that, I mean, were elite when I was coming up was Miami Killian, Columbus, South Ridge. Um, Hialeah was another one, you know. They all had a lot of talent. But um, I was fortunate, you know, when I was growing up that my district was just absolutely loaded. We had guys consistently going division one every single year when honestly some schools are average four or five you know so i would say anywhere from 15 to 20 kids were going division one from a district you know and we had what how many districts 10 <laughs> you know so you do the math it was you know we had a lot of guys pushing each other there wasn't really a lot of hate you know obviously when it was time to play against each other you know we had to put all that beside us and you know go at it you know it was war but in the off seasons, our, our downtime, we were really like a family. And, you know, I had best friends that played at Killian, Columbus, and we would get together and work and really try to better ourselves for our city, you know. And we knew that being the best in Miami or being the best in Florida, we were going to be, you know, a contender in the country, you know. So if we did the right things by each other, kept each other straight, you know, I mean, kept each other in the gym, out the streets, you know, we would do something very successful, you know, that we've always, you know, dreamt about, you know? Absolutely. As you mentioned, man, um, I don't think, and I'm a little biased here, but I don't think when it comes to um, a culture of sports in terms of guys being able to make it from a, a, an environment that's not, you know, that promising when it comes to you know, only way out a lot of times. You're talking about football and, and even and, and baseball for Miami. Yeah. Man, it's it's a whole different breeding ground. You know what yeah, I mean? I mean, every, everybody sees Miami, they think it's the beach, man. We grew up on the other side of the bridge, you yeah. know? And, like, we were discussing earlier, man, like, a lot of us really had to get it out the mud, you know? Like, we didn't have the luxury of 
you know, traveling. And it's like, if we perform well, we will get that, you know? So it was like, we really, we were our own tool, you know? The better we did, the more opportunities we were gonna get. And we, we understood that at a young age, you know? So if the big guys were practicing and working out and we were home doing nothing, we knew we were doing something wrong, you know? So we, we would be out there grinding, hustling all day. Yeah, so so talk, talk, talk to me, talk to us about where you decided to go after high school and to continue your baseball career. So um, after I graduated from Miami South Ridge, um, I was, you know, more of a JUCO player coming out of high school, I'll be honest. Um, going to the full year, I wasn't, you know, trying to sit on a bench one, two years, you know, and then play. So I, I was fortunate to be, you know, directed into the right, you know, program where I was going to develop for two years, you know, and then have that Division One opportunity if I was able to, you know, do the right thing and put up the right results. And um, I committed to a school, Frank Phillips, um, my freshman year. I went to Texas. Um, I played phenomenal. Um, I was a freshman All-American. But um, a lot of the guys from my team, I was one of the only freshmen starting. And um, Miami Dade was in my ear when I was 16 years old. I was playing for the travel program, you know, for two years straight. So for me to not go to you know the local juco which was a national contender every single year was kind of like like i was kind of looked at like a little crazy you know even though i had that connection with them but um i wanted to experience something new i wanted to go to you know go see what was out there you know and playing out in texas you in the middle of the sec country you know what i'm saying big 12 all of that you know you never know what could happen you know so i wanted to showcase my talent which i did um i was a freshman old american i put up great numbers and um, that season, I ended up tearing my labrum, and I finished it out. So coming back, I saw what we had to deal with on the table. And, you know, I come from a tradition of winning. Miami-Dade was, you know, a national contender at the time. And they had convinced me to come back home, play for, you know, the local college. And I took a big step, you know, and it was like kind of a situation of a big fish in a small pond going to, you know, a real big ocean over there, you know. I mean, when I tell you we have three days of tryouts because we have so many, I mean, kids from all over the country coming in to try to play for this program, not including, you know, the kids that come from Puerto Rico, DR, Cuba, you know, that, you know, they know they have a year to play at Miami-Dade. Their, you know, probability of getting drafted is very, very high. So you have to compete against those guys. And, you know, I had a lot of pride. And, you know, I was a top guy in Miami. And going home is just, I was not gonna, you know, fold for nobody. And I went out there, I played phenomenal in the fall. You know, I was on the team and everything. And then when it was time to do the physicals, I didn't pass my physical because I had a torn shoulder. So I was kind of written out at that point. Um, I had a freshman that was a freshman All-American, a freshman shortstop and second baseman that were All-American. And I was a shortstop. And I had to watch these guys' success, you know, and they played phenomenal. and that year off, it taught me how to be a good teammate. You know, I was there for my guys, you know, even though I couldn't be out there physically, I could help them anyway, mentally, you know, do all the little things. And we went to the state championship, we lost. And um, the following year, you know, was, I got, I was cleared to play. Nobody thought I was going to come back to have the career I did. And I'll be honest, my um, my college coach, um, Steve Hurts, which, I mean, first battle Hall of Famer, man. This this guy's like like my dad, you know. And I'll never forget, he pulled me into his office and he's like, listen, see, you know, I love you as a kid. You went to Southridge, you know, that's my alma mater. I coached there. 
And he um, pretty much broke it down for me. He was real. He was like, listen, you know, like, we got these guys coming back. You know, they're all Americans. They're going to be starting. You know, you got you to gotta work your way. But if you want, I can make calls to other schools and everything. And I wasn't having it. You know, so I was like, wherever I got to play on that field, whether it's outfield, third base, catching, I, I didn't care. You know what I'm saying? I just, I was not going to leave my home, you know, leave my city and like feel defeated. You know, I, I want to say, you know, because I've always worked and got what I wanted because of my hard work. And um, long story short, I tore it up in the fall and he brought me back in the office, gave me a full scholarship on top of that, you know, to you know, the following semester, you know, he was real proud of me. You know, I didn't fold. I performed really well. And he told me, he's like, see, you're going to be the smallest DH in the country, but you're going to be hitting third and fourth every single day. I was like, you know what? It is what it is. And he's like, listen, I know you can play. You're, you know, you're a great athlete. Um, if I got to put you at third one day, if I got to put you at second, short, center field, left field, right field, I know you could get it done. And sure enough, two weeks in this season, I'm on a tear, man. I'm one of the top hitters in the country. I was doing phenomenal and um, I got in a real bad car accident, bro. Believe it or not, um, I was um, going to see one of my close friends play up in um, Jupiter. And when I tell you, I was probably hitting 800 at the time. Like I couldn't get out. Yeah. And um, I got in a really bad car accident. I had um, 60 stitches through my eye and they told me I was going to be out for a month and a half. Um, again, I felt like I worked too hard to fold, you know? So once those seven, eight days came out and they were like, those stitches could come out. I told him I could play. And he wow. looked at me, he looked <laughs> at me and he thought I was crazy, you know, but the numbers didn't lie. And he put me back out there and our left fielder wasn't, you know, doing his thing in the lineup. And next thing I know, I was playing left field, starting every day, hitting third. And the rest was history. You know, I made um first team all state. Um, I led the state in hitting. I hit batted 460 that year. Um, we lost in um you know the state playoffs to go to the World Series, but it was one of the best seasons I've ever had in my life. And that year kind of prepared me for everything further. You know, absolutely. Wow, I didn't even know all that. That's that's yeah, crazy. man. It was it was Dade. Dade was Dade. Dade is what made me. I want to say that. You know, as as a baseball player, like. You know, everybody loves their high schools, colleges, and don't get me wrong. I love my the schools I went to, the relationships I built. I love them to death. But Miami Dade really, you know, got me over that hump to, you know, be the person I am today, to give me that drive, give me them trials, you know, and the rest is history. Well, talk to us about your recruiting process and why you decided to go to Bethune Cookman. So coming out um that 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 year I had a lot of um interest. Um University of Miami, FIU, um, top division two schools, um, University of Tampa, Lynn University, you know, they were all top schools. Um, and honestly, I was so undecided. I didn't know what to do. That, that process kind of drove me a little bit crazy. Um, so it was the winter, the, the winter break, right? We get two weeks off. And usually we go, you know, we go practice in Miami, guys, you know, go to DR, Puerto Rico, and we really get it because that's our last grind before the season. But my mom told me I needed a mental break to tell you the truth. So I was like, you know what? Let's, let me go to New York. You know, let me just go somewhere where, you know, baseball's not really big out here or wasn't at the time, you know, like, you know, who's going to really go to New York and bowl? You know, you're from Miami. You got all the resources out here. So I ended up coming to New York to see my family. Um, 
there was a coaches convention going on. One of my cousins is, um, he was an MLB vendor at the time. So I was like, you know what, let me go help him out. Let me just, you know, do the right thing by the fam, hang out with everybody. So I was actually at a coaches conference, just chilling, helping out. And Marvell Melendez, which he's currently the FIU head coach, mm-hmm. he was at the conference and it was um, him and DeMonico from FSU. So DeMonico comes up, notices me, comes, starts talking to me. He was um, the assistant coach at FSU. Melendez caught wind. Melendez comes over right afterwards. He starts talking to me, you know, and we're rapping and everything. And then right from there, he just took me out to eat, you know, unofficial visit. He showed me a lot of love. And we really built that that relationship from that day on. You know, he stayed on top of me. You know, he, I mean, like I said, he showed me a lot of love. He was one of the, actually, he was the only Puerto Rican head coach in Division One baseball. Wow. And that was, that was a big deciding factor too, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, Coming from the South, we know how it is. I mean, a world we live in today, I mean, we grew up with a lot of, you know, racism, you know, and just hard times. You know, people looked at us from the areas we were at, whether we were Black, Hispanic, and, you know, they put a, you know, they stereotyped us. So him, you know, being one of the only, the only Division One head coach, coaching at HBCU, he had a lot of success. His track record was great. You know, he was getting guys drafted. And at that point, you know, I was confident in myself that I was going to play professional baseball. So why not go to a school where I'm going to have a great time, you know, be comfortable. I could be me and, you know, just do what I love. And sure enough, everything played out exactly how he said. So I ended up going to Bethune-Cookman for my junior and senior year. Um, I hit third every day. Um, I led the conference in, in hitting as well when I was at Bethune. I was uh, MIAC Player of the Year. I feel like I got robbed of the, the tournament MVP. <laughs> so remember, oh, we won the conference championship, and they gave uh, – I mean, dude, I think I hit like 700 at tournament two. I was on a tear. And they gave the MVP to the losing team because we were racking up accolades. <laughs> it was, I think it was like one of the first times ever. But, um, you know, I had, a, I had a great time at Bethune. And, you know, um, actually – took in the entire college experience when I was there. I wasn't only a baseball player. I was able to, you know, become a member of Kappa Alpha Psi, you know, and Pope, you know, can attest for that. You know, we had, a, you know, great brothers on the campus that were, you know, able to influence us, you know, to follow through with the brotherhood process. And I mean, personally, Bethune was phenomenal, man. It was, um, it was everything and more, you know, I was able to, have that college experience, the HBCU experience on top of that, you know, which is, is very special. You know, a lot of people don't understand that. And, um, you know, coming from Miami, Pope would tell you, like, that life ain't us. You know, it's you play football, baseball, and that's it. You know, the whole party life is, if you're party, partying, you're either hustling or, you know, something of that sort. You know, we wasn't those kind of guys. So, to be in a frat life, party life, that was, you know, a complete 360 for me, you know, something that was, you know, an eye opener and, you know, made me who I am today as well, you know, and that process prepared me for everything my senior year and, and going on. You know, you, 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 you talked about, um, obviously your success at BCC, BCU and uh, Melendez, you know, in the history that he's had, in the program yeah, success. Man. I mean, Dre, just right. to talk about the level of success this our team, our school had 
like these guys would go to tournaments and they were they were beating bigger schools in tournaments and playing against the University of Florida and the Florida State. Yeah. These we guys. actually when I was there, um, that's a funny story right there. So my my class was the first class to be UM in school history, and that that's big, you know, like mm-hmm. to go back home and to put it on. You know, a team like that, it was it was huge. I'll never forget, man. That that day was crazy. So we have a seven o'clock game in Miami. At University of Miami, Melendez decides to, you know, book our hotels in Broward. So, you know, we show up two hours before the game, but but at Miami traffic was insane that day. You know, so yo, we leave and we in like three hour traffic, bro, getting ready to play. I think there were like I think like four or five in the nation at the time. You know, we all getting ready for, you know, the um to go to the the regional when the regional goes super regional college world series we're getting ready for that we won the conference so we're going down to play um game time 705 we literally show up to the stadium at 650. <laughs> 650 bro we do one of the little league warm-ups real quick and we beat that bro we beat them three to two on a friday night dude. it was so live and you know, being being a you know hometown kid, we had half the stadium there, man. And just to hear, yo, know, literally entire. Uh, I think it's Alex Rodriguez Stadium now, but to be yelling BCU was, I mean, yo, chilling, chilling. You know, so um, we ended up taking two out of three from them that weekend. You know, we were real hot. We won the conference tournament. We rolled through everybody. We went to the um, the regional, and unfortunately, we lost to uh, University of Florida A seven on the walk off, and um, they went to the World Series that year. You know, so uh, I mean, again, it's it's experiences that you know I was able to live through that were phenomenal. You know, I'll take nothing back. I mean, yeah, obviously, I wish the outcome was a little different, but to play in those kind of magnitudes of games is like not everybody gets those opportunities, man, and you really got to be thankful and you know embrace all of that. No, nah, Jay, I just wanted to mention like um, the history and the, and the type of talent that these guys had uh, on the baseball side. Of, I mean, we had some athletes in football as well, but baseball, man, these guys was a winning machine, Dre. So, I mean, legendary. Yeah. I mean, I, in two years, I, I, I'm almost certain we only lost one game in two years. And wow. then right, one year we're like 19 and 1 in the conference, 20 and 0. But. Yeah, man, we 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 did our thing, man. We we really did a thing. We we were known as ringers in, in the MEAC, but we went to the SWAC. We beat them up too, you know. We we competed with them boys in the ACC, SEC, and you know we made a lot of we had a lot of fun. <laughs> we had a lot of fun being spoilers, you know, because people slept on us. But you know, we knew how to get it done. Where, where were most of the guys from that went there? So, I mean. The recruiting process, like you, like you say, I was able to connect with some of my boys. You know, we, we're getting recruited. We would talk, you know, shoot, if you go there, I'm going to go, you know, you go, I'm going to go. You know, we try to get a good solid core to go together where we all mesh, we understood each other. And Melendez did a great job of getting good support around me. You know, um, we had a kid, Hiram Burgos, get drafted in, I think, the sixth round that year. He was, um, he was top two in NCAA and in, in, in ERA. I was one of the top hitters, you know, in, in, in NCAA as well. And he was able to build a solid nucleus. We got um, – he had a pipeline from Puerto Rico, so we got a couple good Puerto Rican kids to come in. Um, we got some solid talent from down south in Miami, the Broward area, um, central Florida. I would say most of our kids are from. But 
he got good kids that built good chemistry. And, and you know that playing professional football, it ain't always about the talent because if you played at that high level, everybody can play. You know, it's who could turn it on the most consistently that day, you know, and, you know, we were able to have a lot of good days, you know, with, with that ball group. You know, I've been, I've been on winning teams, losing teams, and I would say that's the biggest thing, you know, who really knows their part and knows who, how to gel well with each other, you know, who knows how to be a leader, who knows how to, you know, everybody got their roles, you know, and everybody got to abide by them. You know, everybody got a role and everybody got to just hold each other account- accountable. You know, and that, that was another thing, you know, everything wasn't always pretty, but once we held each other accountable, we were able to get back on track and just keep moving forward, you know? So you had teammates that went pro. Did you believe you can go pro? And talk about how that project went for you. Oh, man, yeah. Dude, I had, um, I mean, honestly, a lot, a lot of my friends, I was fortunate, a lot of my friends, you know, they, they there was um, a statistic like, oh, there's 12 kids on the team, maybe like 1% go pro. All of us went Division One, thankfully. You know, we all did our job. We got our grades up. We all played Division One baseball. There was a travel team I played on when we were 12 years old called the Miami Cardinals, and we were the best team in the country. Like, nobody was messing with us. We had guys, um, Gio Gonzalez, you know, big league pitcher, um, JPR and Sevier, he's actually an announcer for the the Marlins right now, but he was the first rounder out of the University of Tennessee. Um, played with Jan Gomes. He's one of my best friends. He's a World Series champ, um, all-star candidate as well. Um, shoot, this goes on. Robert Andino was another one. You know, so a lot of us, you know, either played Division One baseball or got the opportunity to play professional baseball. And a good group of the guys did play in the MLB. You know, so it's it's cool. We've all been able to stay in touch, you know, keep the network within ourselves. But we understand we were a special group of kids that, you know, accomplished a lot of great things, you know, from our hometown. As, as, as you talk about some of these guys that obviously made it, some of the guys that was in your circle, um, you obviously had hopes and dreams of, uh, you know, playing in the majors. Uh, but just talk about what it was like to kind of, you know, deal with the reality that that yeah. may not be for you and then, you know, what it was like for you to figure out what was next. So what happened to my story was, you know, I mean, my accolades were phenomenal. My Honestly, my sophomore year, I thought that was the year I was going to crack the league. Um, I got a call in the sixth round by the Mets in the draft, and I never, my name didn't pop up. You know, they asked me a number when I signed. I told them the number, you know, I thought that was going to be it. Lord, I had different plans, you know, so... My name didn't get called. I decided to go to Bethune. I tore it up at Bethune. I was doing phenomenal. Um, my my junior year, though, I got a big reality check. You know, I'm 5'9", you know, 185 pounds. I, run, I ran a 6'4", 6'5". I was, you know, a good player, but I was what I was, what a scout said. So at that point, he was like, why should we give you 500000 when you could be a senior signee and you are what you are? And we give you 20000 and you work your way up. That was a big, you know, flick of the light, you know, in my head. Like, this is really a business, you know. So at that point, I was really cool with it, you know. I became a noob. I was loving the college experience. I was like, shit, let me go out there and play baseball. And, you know, I'm going to have my crack in the league. Why not get another conference championship, you know, enjoy this, graduate, get my degree, play pro baseball. You know, I'm going to make it. I just need my shot. My um, senior year, actually playing against FIU, I went uh, I went two for two that game with two walks. I tore my shoulder in the third inning. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, 
I had no idea. You know, I was diving back. I collided with somebody, you know, jammed it up. I thought it was, you know, this, you know, stinger, you know, very familiar with that playing football. So I think I got a little stinger, you know, my shoulder not getting better. I tell the trainer, you know, they go get an MRI and then I get a call from the lenders. You know, and that was, that was like probably one of the worst calls I ever got, you know, telling me my season was done. You know, I had tore my shoulder. So now this is going on my second shoulder surgery, but my first one was my left. Now it's my right shoulder. So I knew the probability of me making that was really slim. And I'm not going to lie, it put me in a real depressed state. Um, mm. I was down. I was really out, you know, from being on top of the world. I mean, Pope would tell you, man. I mean, at Bethune, I was really known as like the baseball star, you know. I was a, I was a noob. I was a baseball star. You know, I got a lot of attention. And then when that happened, everything just went away, dude. Like, dude, scouts, agents, I mean, even brands, just ghosts, you know. I was useless to them. And it, it was very hard. Not for nothing, the brotherhood, you know, picked me up big time. And I don't think a lot of them knew that. But that's what, you know, kind of saved me, you know, going forward. But um, I had tore my shoulder. You know, I had to, I had a lot of regrouping and rethinking, you know, what am I going to do now? Because my whole entire life, I was bred to be, you know, a professional baseball player and then figure it out after, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't, I didn't have a trade. I didn't, I never worked. I didn't have a side job. My job was just go to the park every day, run, hit, field, you know, make sure I was ready for when I got that call, mm-hmm. you know? So now it's like, I wake up every day. I don't got to go to practice. I don't got to work out. What do I do? Mm-hmm. You know, so it was like going to school was just not motivating. Luckily, I did graduate. I got my degree and everything like that. But I would say there was a good eight months. I was in a very dark place until my high school coach, you know, saw me. It's funny. I was I was selling life insurance, man. I was going house to house trying to sell life insurance, trying to reinvent myself, not knowing, you know, what's going on. And uh, one of my buddies, my um my center fielder for um, Miami Dade, he played with um, the Washington Nationals. He had a little life insurance thing going on on the side. And he had talked to me about it. You know, you can make some good money, yada, yada, yada. So I went with it. You know, I was like, you know what? Let me trust this guy. You know, he may know something. And it just was not me, dude. I wasn't a salesman. I wasn't, you know, it was just sold on me, like trying to sell people on, you know, product. So long story short, my coach ran into me on the street. I was in shirt and tie going house to house, knocking on the door. My high school coach saw me. He's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm working. You know, I'm trying to find clients, trying to make it happen out here, man. I don't I don't know what to do. I I don't know how to work for nobody. I, I don't even know how to pop a job, coach. I'm being honest. He's like, well, you got a job right now. You know, you're coaching at the high school. And I took a step back at first and I told him no, just because, you know, I still had that that hate in my heart, you know, like how everything just played out and it was just all taken away from me. But he stayed on top of me, man. And I'm very thankful for Ed Doskow for doing that. Um, He was my um, high school coach at Southridge. And he had a lot of faith in me. And he knew, you know, since I was young that, you know, I had a great baseball mind and I would be able to get back to the kids. So, you know what? I just said, the hell with it. Let me go out there one day, see, see what he's really talking about. Let me see the new classes coming in. And when I went out there, you know, the kids really received me well. You know, I was like a superstar to them still. And to see that, it kind of like, you know, lit that fire back in me. And, you know, his his words to me was, now it's your job to make them better than what you were. And he goes, and I know that's going to be damn hard because you had a great, you know, you had a great career. So get to work. And sure enough, um, 
I had a kid, Junior Amion. I'll never forget. He played for it all, the San Francisco Giants. Um, he was a, a junior that year. And I really took him under my wing. I just unloaded on this kid. And Melendez actually gave him a, my, my same scholarship at Bethune. Wow. You know, so when I saw that happen, I was like, you know what? I could do this. You know what I'm saying? So I told Melendez about the kid. Melendez came to see the kid. Melendez gave him my same exact scholarship, which that was love. You know, and to give that to a freshman, that's, that's very difficult, you know, because I was a Juco player, you know, transferring. So they gave me the house. Um, he saw, he believed in my boy, you know, he gave him full ride. But then he took that opportunity and went to um, Alabama State. So Melendez left. F, um, he left Bethune. He became the head coach at Alabama State. And then my boy ended up going there getting drafted. But that's what really kickstarted me coaching and, you know, training. So one of my baseball coaches, um, Ray Noriega, He's, um, you know, he played in the big 16, um, played professional baseball 16 years, was with uh, the Yankees, played for University of Miami, was an All-American. You know, he saw me as a son. So he knew I loved working out. And he would tell me, you know, his nickname name for me was Dynasty. So he would call me Dynasty. He'd be like, there you go out there, you know, we'll train the boys, you know, we'll hit with them. Then you take them to the gym, you work them out. And that's what really got me into training. And, um... Again, you know, I, I took a trip up to New York um, just to get away from everything. And my aunt had a real good friend of hers that had two sons that were studs in baseball. And, you know, I was on a break, you know, and, you know, I can't, I have a hard time saying no to kids now at that point, you know, because I'm helping so many people out. And, um, you know, I was like, you know what, let me take these kids to the park, work with them a little bit. And two kids are studs, you know, so I'm like, all right, you know, I'm having a little bit of fun with them. I'm connecting with the father real well. And we stayed in touch and he was like, listen, if things don't work out in Miami, he's like, trust me, you'll do real well out here coaching in New York City. So I was like, you know what? It's a big jump, you know, leaving my home, coming to, you know, Miami's a big city, but to go to New York City, that that was a real big step. So long story short, you know, things were rolling in Miami, but I wasn't happy, you know, as if people still, like I said, Pope, you know, they judge us, you know, no matter how well I did, they always saw me as a tough kid from Southridge, you know, and it's like, I'm a grown man now, you know, I'm very successful. I'm doing my thing. Why, you know, maybe I do need that change. So I was like, let me go spend the summer up in New York. I came up here, I coached a group of kids. Um, I think they were ranked eighth in the city. And by the end of the summer, you know, we ended up playing, we the number one team in the city and we made it to the World Series for that age group. And um, it was, you know, a lot of success from that original group of New York kids that I had. Uh, one of them currently just got called up to the big leagues with the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, Josh Palacios, he's a kid you see me post a lot about, but um, I had him from high school. He was um, the top player in New York City. He ended up going to San Jack. Um, well, he committed to Stony Brook, and then he left Stony Brook, went to San Jack. Then transferred to University of Auburn and got drafted in the fourth round out of University of Auburn. So when that happened, you know, people are seeing the track records. Now I'm getting kids into, you know, top division one programs. And New York's a little different from Miami. You know, like I said earlier in the, in the, in the interview, um, to like 90 to 100 kids from my district go to college, you know, and a high percentage go to division one schools or top junior colleges. In New York, I will be honest, if we were having seven to eight kids from all sports across the board go D1, that was big, you know? So to have three, four, five kids now starting to go to division one schools, you know, I started to get a little bit more hype, 
you know, and I just kept doing the right things, you know, I just kept developing my kids, kept doing the right things by them, keeping them out of trouble. You know, they were getting hate left and right, you know, but we just stayed the past, stayed the course, you know, because we know that's what's going to come with it. And I was fortunate for my boys to, you know, do a lot of great things. Out of that group, I had kids go to Grambling State, Auburn, um, Stony Brook. You know, they went to, you know, good college, which for New York City, that was, you know, a very rare thing. But, um, you know, training started to take over more than my baseball work, to be honest. So I had to figure out a balance, you know, do I stay doing the personal training or do I do the baseball work? And now in New York, I mean, winter times, everybody's forced indoors, you know, so you would rack up in the winter times, you know, training, you know, you were very busy, you were doing your thing. But once it came summertime, everybody was away, you know, all the kids were traveling, playing. So you would take a big hit with your business. So that's where my personal training, you know, regular clients, I would have, you know, um, just regular dads, moms, you know, the general person you know, that go to the gym and, you know, those people started seeing a lot of, you know, influence in me and they would refer me. And next thing I knew, I had a full book of clients and that really took over my sports world. So for about three years straight, I built up a great business in the city. You know, I learned a lot. You know, I was around a, gr a lot of great master trainers out there. And, you know, I was just building myself up as a person. But again, I wasn't really happy with all that. You know, something was telling me, like, I got to, I, I got to get back in sports somehow. So um, what happened was there was a, a big facility out here um, called um, the Aviator Sports Complex. They were looking for a trainer. And uh, one of my friends, which um, I know you know the high school, Lincoln High School, that's the one that Sebastian Telfair yeah. went to. Yeah, Stephon um, Mulberry, you know. Yeah, it's it's um, Lance Stevenson. You know, it's a, it's a big time school, so. One of my good friends, uh, Frank Rodriguez, his wife is the AD. So she had connected us, you know, I ended up getting the job and that, that was like my first time being on my own, running my own program for kids. So I had a lot of studying, you know, I had a, just, it was just a big change, you know, from training regular people to running a whole program where I had over like 400 kids, you know, so I had to organize, you know, different speed programs, training programs for hockey, um, baseball, basketball, volleyball, soccer, and, you know, that's what really kickstarted me where I am today. You know, when that business, you know, when I got, I outgrew that one, I decided to go on my own. I partnered up with um, a batting cage. They gave me space. And little by little, you know, things just kept going to the point it's at today, you know. And um, I wanted to get to, because I know we're going to talk about uh, getting to the new the, the facility, but just kind of talk about the whole challenges of COVID too, right? Like you kind of built. Oh, man. During COVID, kind of talk about like how you continue to like to manage that situation and continue to grow your business. Like how you know. So, yo, but when I tell you the Lord works in mysterious ways, it, it, He really does, right? So, um, it was uh, I got an opportunity. I you know through the sports world, I started coaching. You know, then I started picking up the football. You know, football program started growing. Uh, now I'm training football, baseball basketball I'm getting top athletes all over the city and you know everything's been great you know the kids are having a lot of success and then um it was I want to say December one of my friends got a um an opportunity to coach at um Catholic school 
he was, you know, he convinced me to go over. I was training at one of the top, well, the top public high school, Rasmus Hall. We have a lot of talent out here. Um, phenomenal program ran by Danny Lambert. Um, you know, I was helping him out, helping my friend. Actually, you know KJ Stroud? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So KJ played play with you at Bethune. KJ was the offensive coordinator at um, Erasmus Hall. And he was, you know, he hit me up. We were able to connect and help the boys out. So we had that Wildcat connection. And, man, we just been, I mean, killing it out here. You know, and, um, you know, one of our friends got another opportunity to coach at a Catholic school. He convinced him to go over. So, you know, we were kind of like a package deal almost. And, you know, I went over to help them out as well. And what I actually did was – um. I had 60 kids in the program. I started up an online thing for them, you know, where we could check in, I could go through their stuff. So I had a lot of kids on an online database going on. Then COVID hit, bro. Real talk, COVID hit, everything shut down. And luckily I was ahead of the game because I had all my people already transferred to online programming. Oh, you know, man. so it, it just worked in my favor, to be honest. And then that became the wave. You know, and, um, you know, I was the top trainer out here. You know, a lot of people knew me. So teams didn't want to want their kids to lose it because it was very tough out here in New York. So next thing I know, I'm just in my living room doing team trainings. <laughs> I'm being dead serious. And I'll be there. I'll have anywhere from 12 to 15 kids. I'm working out dude, all day, bro. Like real tough, all day in my living room, just setting up my computer. You know, logging on all the kids, and then yo, no lie, there was one night, dude. I had over two hundred and fifty kids on a Zoom call, bro, working out. Wow, yo, it was nuts, man. It was it was absolutely nuts. You know, everybody was happy. We were doing our part. You know, trying to keep the kids, you know, mentally sane, physically right. You know, and and it was kind of like a break because we didn't know what was going on. You know, I had kids that were with each other every single day to not seeing each other for months. You know, so. It was a way we could all connect with each other. We could see each other, feel some kind of normalcy, you know, and that's what happened, you know, and I was, like I said, the Lord just does things, you know, for a reason. And I was ahead of the game when it came to that. So luckily my family really didn't take that much of a hit, you know, when it came to that. Yeah. The luxuries were all gone of, you know, going to the gym, working out, going to restaurants, all of that was, you know, done for us, but I was able to keep a good, majority of my clientele on an online base stay active stay working you know and it was more of a mental thing than physical thing because i mean these guys know how to work out but you know to have somebody hold you accountable and you know keep you in some kind of normalcy was, was big out here and then they started opening up things so what i would do you know i had a lot of equipment bro my my truck was a traveling gym dude i had dumbbells in there i had on um, slam balls battle ropes i mean all different kind of mini bands super bands ladders right so real talk i would go by park i found a nice little hill and i would just set up shop bro and i would have groups of five six kids come every hour they would come in i would train them clean everything up next group would come and no lie i was doing that from let's say 12 o'clock in the afternoon till the sun went down, you know, and it just, it spread like wildfire, man. And no lie, again, I had a full book, you know, so I was out there, you know, grinding, helping as much people as I can, trying to stay safe. And then it was like, dude, this is summertime. New York gets cold, bro. <laughs> New York gets real cold. I can't do this in the winter. 
you know, so I got to find a solution. Gyms are still closed. You know, they're letting us do all the training in the parks. And when I tell you everybody, everybody was training in the parks, the stuff I would see was just out of control, dude. You know, but that's all we had. So we had to make use of it. Um, so it was around, I want to say July of last year, we were driving around my, my fiance and I, um, she does real estate. And I was like, I got to get a building. You know, I was, I was determined. I was like, I can't do this in the winter. There's no way my client's going to come outside and train in 20 degree weather. You know, it's just not safe. It's not healthy. You know, I got to find something, you know, whether it's a room or whatever, I'll make it happen. So we ended up finding a building, um, great location. It's in Long Island city. Um, two minutes from the literally, literally Manhattan, you know, so I get a lot of clients, you know, from Manhattan, all over um, Brooklyn, Queens. I'm in a very center location when it comes to that. Um, we found the building. Uh, my uncle, fortunately, was um, unemployed at the time. You know, he was not unemployed. Let me take that back. He was on workers' comp, you know, so he was chilling. And he does a lot of renovations and things like that. So he uh, he came he came through big time. Um, I did a lot of research, you know, finding different vendors. And luckily I was able to get everything up to New York city because a lot of stuff was back ordered, you know, for months and months and months, but I was able to find a reliable company. We got into the building in June, July, we were able to start renovating. So I just renovated with my uncle. I would train at the park, go to the gym, help him out as much as I can. And we were able to get it operating in three months. So full blown renovation. If, I mean, you've seen the video from my Instagram, if you see how the place looked, it was dude, a dump. Uh, pretty much it was an abandoned building for two years, you know? And um, I was able to work my magic, you know? I was able to really, you know, use up my entire network. You know, I had dads that were doing electric, dads that did air conditions, you know? Every little thing, you know, I pulled every single card and when I say my gym, you know, my my people's gym, that's what I mean by that. You know, everybody came together. They understood because they knew that winter time was coming and we had to find a place, you know, where our kids could be safe, train and keep moving because the entire country was open but New York, you know. So we had to figure something out on our own, whether we were going to be, you know, go against, you know, the laws and stuff like that and keep our kids, you know, active and busy because we felt like that was the right thing by them you know we were ready to take that hit so we all got together we did our thing you know we made the gym nice safe beautiful and it hasn't even been a year yet dude october is going to be a year I, I officially opened the doors and it has been i mean absolutely phenomenal man i've had a ton of pro guys come through um hundreds of kids come through and it's just been honestly one of the best things that's ever happened in my life and just i mean it's, it's been a it's been an awesome journey bro <laughs> just hearing you talk about this 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 process and the ups and downs on how things continue to just unfold for you and open up for you but one thing i want young people to understand like relationship capital and like building relationships and connecting yes, with man. people that's going to take you further than anything anything so one of one of my biggest things is Listen, you can always be a good person, you know, and when you do right by others, people want to help you. You know what I'm saying? You may not always feel like you're right, but you could do the right things, you know, and that's that's literally what happened. You know, I mean, 
I don't want to brag or boast, but that's one of my best qualities. And you'll hear it all throughout the city that, you know, I do great by my guys, great by my kids. I always do the right thing. I help a lot of people out, you know, and it just keeps coming back. You know, honestly, summertime, it's been very busy. Like, dude, it's, I, I just got home. It's eight o'clock. I've been training since eight in the morning, man. Like, I literally started at 8.30 this morning. I'm getting home at eight o'clock at night in the summer. So I'm sitting there in the back of my head, like, damn, when the winter time comes around and everybody's really training, what's, this, this is going to be crazy, man. I might need to get another spot. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, nah, man, I, I definitely want to highlight that, man. And that's just something that, you know, you just want to make sure that people, you know, pick up yeah. on and pay attention Listen, to. Like there, there was a lot of trying times. I mean, the whole process was frustrating. Like when I got the building, you know, I mean, I don't know if you're a home, um, whether you're a homeowner or your own properties, there's always something going wrong. You know what I'm saying? There's never a smooth sale. So mm-hmm. I had to deal with that the first time, you know, like, shoot, why does pipe break? How do I fix that pipe? If I don't fix that pipe, it's going to lead to this issue or that issue, you know? And it was, it was just always something. And, you know, there's days I just sit back and be like, damn, I wish I could just train again. But it's like, nah, God, God made this happen for a reason. You know, I got to step it up and, you know, make it happen for my boys. You know, I'm in this position for a reason. There ain't no backing down, you know, and you got, you got, you just got to man up sometimes and, and really, really make it happen for your guys, you know, and I know, you know, my family's a big part of this, but the gym, there is a bigger picture, you know, it's not just, you know, making money and stuff like that. That's, it's really a safe haven, haven and not live for a lot of these kids, you know, where they could further their opportunity. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> What are your goals moving forward? And, and well, make sure you, and make sure make sure we know what's the name of your 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 gym too. So we want to make sure. People well, my gym is that. um CJ Turtle Fitness. It's in um Long Island City, New York. And um yeah, man, my my main goal is, I mean, if I could open up a bigger spot, you know, and service more kids, that would be phenomenal. But um. I'm real happy where I'm at right now. You know, I could really control the spot. I'm maximizing my space. Um, I just really want to have, I mean, I I really don't care to be the best trainer or best facility. I just want to have the best spot for my guys, you know, like where they come, it feels home. You know, they could get their work in stress-free. They could get the recovery in, you know, and they don't got to worry about all the other stuff, you know, like that's always been me as a player, me as a coach, you know, I mean, yeah, you want to be the best. You work hard to be the best. But personally, I, I just feel like that's just another title. You know, actions speak louder than words, you know. And we live in a society right now where social media and cloud chasing is such a big thing right now. And I feel like we lose the purpose of why we're doing this, you know. And, I mean, I'd rather have my actions speak more than my words, you know. So I, my, my biggest goal would to be have a facility where I could service, you know, as many football players baseball players i actually have a big follow with autism kids as well you know so where i could um yeah it's, it's there's a lot going on out here Pope. you know i have i train i have um i was working with the challengers league for like three years so i had a big group of autistic kids to come into the program as well where they would start off in that challengers league and develop you know to, into the classes with the regular athletes wow. and kids won't even know they have autism believe it or not you know, so it's 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 just honestly like you know I'm talking about it, but I think about these things. I'm like, like that's special, you know. Like not everybody could do something like that, you know. And I mean, my ultimate goal would just to be 
you know, if I could get something bigger and make it just consistent where, you know, people know like that's just a spot to go to, you know, to get right. I mean, I'm, I'm great with that, you know? So, so, so no, um, no, uh, you know, possible college coaching or possibly major. You know, you know, you know, you know what's funny though? I, I always wanted, I wanted to do that, but it was a couple years ago. <laughs> I don't want to put nobody out there, but they was asking me about advice, you know, and I was like, hmm, it should be the other way around. So I feel like <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the position I'm in right now, you know, I'm in control of my own destiny. You know, I can make more than those guys if I want to out here in the city, and I had the luxury of doing that. You know, so that 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 phase kind of like went away from me a little bit, you know, and I'm like, you know, I just kind of want to set the bar for, you know, athletes, you know, that feel like they had that opportunity to go pro and unfortunately it didn't happen, but there's so much more you could do, man. And I'm an example of that. You know, like I, I said the other day, you know, I've been so successful out here in Miami. I've been, I mean, in New York, I've been able to help my parents in Miami, you know, my father's debt free, my mother's house is paid for, you know, and realistically growing up as a kid, the only way we thought we could do that was playing professional sports. Mm-hmm. And, I, I can attest to that. You don't have to. You know, you could go to school. You could get a degree. Once you're in that work world, if you work hard, you network with the right people, do the right things by people. Don't try to get the easy way out to get over, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, you may be down for a little bit, but when you get up, <laughs> it's going to be a great, great feeling, you know. And I'm living it right now, you know, and things have been great. Oh, man, you know, if like I said, you know, Growing up, I saw Robin and Dino do it. I was like, shoot, why not me? I told the kids the same thing. You know, why not you? You know, you guys see me do it. You know, you guys see me in the gym. I was sneaking you guys into the gym. To me having my own gym, you know? Like, why not you guys? You know, you know that, I was able to do and, that, and that's not because y'all, that, and that's another key point that I want guys to see because when I had the opportunity to make it to the big levels, the big leagues, I saw that there was a lot of, opportunity to make great money and you don't have to be on the field you don't have to be coaching those are not the only opportunities so and, many other opportunities and i want to be that guy in the community to expose that to the kids you know yeah. be a living example of that you know because i didn't have that to be honest you know and if i had a trainer doing that to me i may not have been as depressed or yes you know but then at the same time it may not have driven me the way it's driven me now, you know? So it's like life has its courses, you know, and you just gotta, you know, you gotta roll with the punches sometimes, but you gotta remember we all have a purpose, you know, and you gotta wake up, you gotta, you know, thank God every day for his blessings and, you know, go out there and be you, you know, do the right things by people. You know, I, I mean, literally I tell my kids all the time, you don't gotta physically train somebody to be a good person, you know? I mean, sure, little things like opening up the door for somebody, you know what I'm saying? Or so helping an old lady cross the street, you know what I'm saying? Or helping her with her bag. But you know, there's so many little things you could do that and I'm I'm so positive, <laughs> no, but the Lord will find a way to bless you, you know, like shoot, you may find twenty dollars on the floor one day, you know, who knows? You know, but when you consistently live right and do the right things, good things happen. You know, and you hear it all the time. Good things happen to good people. That could be you. You know, you're in control of that. You know, not anybody else. You know, you could be in a bad situation. You can make the right choice. You know, and that's what I tell my kids. Man, that's dope. Dre, you got anything else, man? I mean, 
This guy. Man, you 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 motivated me, bro. Cause I, I, <laughs> after I retired from the NFL, I didn't, I didn't know what I was gonna do, man. Like, I'm like, man, what what am I gonna do? And just seeing you doing, you take taking 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 your steps and like build building your own gym like that. That's really making me like, okay, I, I can do something too. I, I can find I can find another way. Like you said, yeah, like man. you you don't got to play professional sports all your life. You you, you can find something else to do. Like now, now I'm trying to find something else to do. Now now, now just listen listen you really really helping with that. So I really appreciate you, man. Thank I'm you. Bro. No, nah, no problem. Like I said, man, there's so many kids out there that need help. Whether they make it to play high school, college, professional, I mean, they need some kind of direction. And I feel like we need more people like us out there in the community really giving back to these kids because it's just a lot of things are really messed up out there. And I don't think there's a lot of good influence going back and showing these kids, you know, it really could happen, you know? No, CJ, man, listen, this has been a great interview. I think this is going to impact and reach a lot of people. Um, Thank you, man. What we can even imagine, man. But it's been great to, you know, just sit down with you and you kind of share your 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 journey, man, the ups and the downs that can inspire um, the, the younger kids that are coming behind us, man. So, Thank man, we're supporting you, pulling for you, man. You know, I, you nah, know, nah, I'm supporting you guys, too, man. Bro. You know, I just want to see you guys winning just like I am, man. You know, I'm. You guys are phenomenal people. You know, I love you guys, you know, tremendously. You know, anything I could do to help you guys out, I'm always here for you guys, man. My God, my God. So with that being said, man, another great episode. We thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you like, subscribe, and comment, man, because we're going to have this great comment, great content coming. Um, make sure that you guys uh, reach out if you're in the New York area. Uh, CJ, drop your, uh, your your Instagram or your your. your, your so uh, my Instagram is turn underscore two underscore fitness. Um, I'm in New York City. If you search CJ turn two fitness, it's all one word. Um, it will come out on Google. You guys are more than welcome to stop by. If you if you come by and tell me you were you saw the the podcast right now, I'll give you a free session. How about that? Nice. All right. Nice. So whoever you know who's seen this all around the country. You know, if you guys stopped by New York City and told me, you know, you you checked out the podcast with my brothers right here, you guys got a free session on me, man. My God, man. So with that said, we appreciate you, brother. Wish you all well. And again, man, until we, um, until we catch, um, catch up with you guys again, man, we wish you all Yeah, well. man, for sure, man. Listen, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys' success, and thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and comment. Follow us on all platforms at What's the Hype Podcast. I've been grinding all my life, yeah. all my life, been grinding all my life. Yeah. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.